Welcome to the Realizing Genius Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Christensen. This is where we dive in each week to chat about parenting, education, and realizing our children's genius. I'm an educator with a background in individualizing learning, and I'm obsessed with helping people find and nurture that genius in their children and themselves. Let's dive in. Hi, geniuses. Today, I have Holly Armstrong from Wings for the Gifted. And I'm so excited to talk to you, Holly, because I know we're right on the same track on a lot of things. Uh, I love it. I feel so excited to be able to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. And I, I can't wait to get started. Well, first of all, could you tell us just a little bit about how you started your business, Wings for the Gifted? Sure. Um, tell, us what, tell us what the business is, but also what led you to working with gifted children? Okay. Um, what we do is we work with parents of gifted children and educators of gifted children. So through coaching, through instruction, so workshops, um, speaking events, and through advocacy. So we help try to get the right opportunities for gifted children to develop their talent. And I love that you asked me how this got started because one of my favorite stories is this wonderful, amazing little fourth grade girl that I worked with. She was one of the students who inspired me. So she was in an all day ASD classroom, that's autistic spectrum disorder, if people don't know. And so it's a special day. So she's just with kids who have ASD like her. And so I went to work with her and she had very menial tasks and meaning menial for a fourth grader. So she would have to take like a star and match it to the star and match the colors and things like that, which was really easy for her, I could tell. So she would do a few and then she would get out of her chair and throw a, what I call a tantrum, but she would yell and get upset. And you could see that she was really angry with her fists and stuff. Um, she didn't hurt anyone. It was just upset. And so um, I would help her calm down and then we would get back to the tasks because that's what she was assigned to do. So finally she gets up at one point and she starts self-soothing by twirling. She had a really full skirt and so her skirt would billow out and she was humming beautifully. And I thought, wow, I wonder if she has some kind of artistic interest because this, is, this makes her feel good. So I asked the class aides, I said, hey, is, is there a chance I could do something different with her, something having to do with art and just see how she responds? And they said, yeah, take her to art class. And I went, oh, she has art class, great. So we went to art class when it was that time. And when we walked in the room, Heidi, this little girl transformed. Instead of that little girl who like didn't want to sit in her seat. She went straight to her seat. She pulled out her folder. She sat and waited for the teacher to give instructions. Then this is where it all began. She opened her folder when the teacher said, open your folders now. And inside was a painting that looked like a Van Gogh print, but it was a painting. And I looked at it, it looked like Starry Nights. And I said, did you paint that? And to this point, I'd introduced myself. I tried to talk to her, no speech. And she said, yes. And I went, oh, she talks. Okay. Cause there are a lot of kids with ASD who are nonverbal. And I said, 
wow, did you do this freehand or did you trace it? She said, no, I, I painted it. And then she, I said, how? And she pointed to a picture on the wall. It was Van Gogh's Starry Nights. I said, you just looked at that and painted it. And she said, yes. And then I went, wow, we are getting somewhere. So I said, what is this along here? It was at the top, the rolling stars. And I said, what is that? And she said, oh, that is Aurora Borealis. Sophisticated language, fourth grade. I literally didn't even know what Aurora Borealis was. I had to look it up when I got home, but I was so impressed. And then I just went, oh my gosh, this is where we should be spending our energy. And I said, well, how do you know that's Aurora Borealis? Did your teacher tell you? She said, no. I said, did your parents tell you? And she said, no. And I said, well, how did you know? And she said, oh, I read about it. And I'm thinking you read at that reading level. And I said, oh, do you like to read? She says, I love to read. And I said, do you get to read in school? And she said, no. And I just, my heart sunk. Cause I thought here you are very possibly at maybe a high school level or higher reading level. And you're doing these little tasks for the majority of the day. And so she and a couple of other students like that made me go, I cannot handle watching kids go through this. I cannot participate in this. I have to do something different to help them with their giftedness and their abilities instead of what they're so challenged with. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that story. That just, thank yeah. You. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I totally, that's one of the things I feel so strongly about is that we need to have our kids motivated and excited about learning and, and so that they can go out and share, I call it their genius with the world. And I, I definitely I believe that every child has a genius and, and is meant to share it with the world. Every person is, um, but experiences like that child went through kind uh -huh. of tends to like beat it out of all of us, I know I had those experiences in school as well, which is one of the reasons I ended up homeschooling my own kids. Aww. But, oh, yeah, it's, I'm so glad that you were able to see that side of her and help bring that out and change her life. Well, you know, I didn't get to work with her after that. And that's one of the Aww. reasons. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that I started doing this independently was because I was not allowed to. Um, at one point I was told you're not qualified. So guess what I did? I went and got qualified. <laughs> um, Good for you. Was, I, yeah, I literally, I, I have my bachelor's in special ed. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, gave me opportunities like this little girl that I had with her, but then I said, okay, guess what? I'm going to go back to school. And I got my master's in gifted education. And that's where I learned about twice exceptional learners. And I went, ah, these are all the students I've been working with all these years. Um, and then of course, now I'm getting my PhD and it's so that I can help educate educators, not just parents and children. Because I, when I would work one-on-one -on -one with students or in small groups, I thought this is awesome, but I'm helping one student. I want to help as many students as possible. And I knew if I can reach one teacher, I'm reaching a ton of students rather than one student at a time. So that really pushed my business in this direction. But like you said, it just like, 
it it hurt my heart to see kids who were challenged with a disability or just learning differences. And yet they have this wonderful gift to share with the world. Just like you said, I, I feel the same way. Like they're born with it. It's meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know uh, the, the school system. Oh my goodness. There are so many things that I wish I could change in it. I know uh, even within the homeschooling world, uh, we're so used to the traditional, you know, kind of com- conveyor belt system in the education world that we don't allow our kids to get off of it. Um, I know as a uh, a teacher, I was working for a homeschool charter here in, in California, and I had this one student who he hated writing and he was doing this curriculum and he just, I couldn't get more than like three sentences out of him. And he was high school level. And I was working with his mom and, and I suggested we do something different. And I told him, okay, you can write anything you want. What are you most passionate about? What are you so excited about? And you want to learn more about. And he said, parkour. I'm like, awesome. Write a, uh, write a paper about parkour. This kid that I could only get like three senses out of gave me three pages and he was so excited about it and he wanted to write and he wanted to share those ideas just by changing the topic to something that he liked and was part of his genius. Mm -hmm. Even though writing wasn't something that came easily to him, it was something that he wanted to do and he wanted to share. It gave him a voice, gave Mm -hmm. him you know, that opportunity to share that genius that he had within him. Oh, what a beautiful story. Yeah. It just, one of the reasons I no longer teach within the system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's hard to, to change that system sometimes. So it, it is, there's a, a lot of, of work that would go into it. It, it, but those little changes like you did for that one student, um, that kind of alteration, if as long as you're meeting the standards, you're doing the right thing and giving him the opportunity to express himself. And again, um, I talk about how if, if we don't feel safe, so we can't explore our own interests, it's very, very stifling. And unfortunately, I really don't like to say this, but I have found that our school systems are very deficit oriented. Um, and so rather than looking at the funding, I mean, this is one of the, one of the reasons I started my own business too, was I was baffled to discover that there is no federal funding, direct federal funding. And in the state of California, no direct gifted funding for our schools. So we are allotted a certain amount of money. So a district has a certain amount of money, but they are allowed to spend it in any way that they want. So in, in their school budget, that gifted education may be like, we're going to go ahead and give one gifted test to all second graders for the year and identify from that one test who are gifted and who are not. And that's it. We can't give them any services because that's all the money. Or it's too important to work with this population. Our special education isn't enough. But yet we're emphasizing special education has a huge budget, gifted education, none. They're all exceptional. They all have different learning styles and different needs. So that's part of why I did this. I said, if the, if the schools can't fund it, I know ultimately people in society 
do want to fund it because they do want these little geniuses, like you say, to come out and help the world. We need it. I mean, we are in some desperate times. We need them. Yes. Oh, yes. So if you could change the Mm -hmm. school system, what would you change about it? Well, that I think would be the biggest thing. Instead of taking it from a deficit orientation, take it to a talent orientation. And um, the talent-centered model is a model that I base my work on as a scholar, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it was from the field of twice exceptionality. So kids with giftedness and disabilities. So emphasizing what they're talented at. So give them more time a day. Like you said, that kid who's interested in parkour. Okay, guess what? You're going to have assignments um, in math and you're going to develop, you know, whatever in math with that emphasis. So you're putting everything, emphasizing what they're talented at. And then what they're having a hard time with, like writing, you help them develop, um, I've seen what I used to think were crutches, like little um, grids, you know, the multiplication grids. Well, some kids, I, I mean, I was a math person. Some kids don't ma- master their math facts, so yeah. they need it. Now we've got calculators. So these are all little scaffolding units that we can, tools that we can use to help these kids. So we don't have to force them to do something like write on topics, one, they don't like to write, two, they're not as good at it, three, they're not interested in the topic, and we're forcing them to do that maybe an hour today because they're not good enough at it. They need to get better. When if in reality, we go out into the world and we look for work, it doesn't matter if we've had a high school diploma, if we have a you know an undergraduate graduate degree, we're gonna go into the fields that we're hopefully interested in and that we're better at. And if you look at um, the workforce, Uh, you're not going to take someone who say, I'll just take a restaurant. If you have somebody who doesn't speak fluent English, but you're in the United States and you're in a restaurant with mostly English speaking people, you're not going to have that person be your hostess, but you're going to, if they, if they love to cook anyway, you're going to have them be a cook. You're not going to say, well, you need to learn, learn better English. So I'm going to put you at the hostess stand and I'm going to have you practice your English with people every day when they're maybe uncomfortable with it because it forces them to do something they don't even like to do. They may not like to stand and greet people. They may like to work behind the scenes. We don't go into work that way. We go, the the world doesn't put us in sales if we're really good at writing and editing. So to me, again, the school focus should be on what are the kids good at and how can we utilize, utilize those talents? Because that was the whole concept of school anyway, was to create citizens who can help our community. Yeah. Yeah. No, that reminds me of a, a really good book called, um, oh, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And in it, he talks about these different zones and there's the zone of incompetence, the zone of competence the zone of excellence and the zone of genius. And he encourages people to spend as much time as possible in this zone of genius. And he, um, I'll never forget this one story he had in it where he talks about this, this businessman who was paid 
you know, hundreds, if not thousands, thousands of dollars per hour for his services. He was just a genius in what he did. And he decided that he needed a new, um, a new printer at home. And he spent like 12 hours trying to put this printer, set up this printer in his home because he just, <laughs> he felt like he had to do that. And he was talking to uh, Gay Hendricks about it and uh, telling him that, you know, after 12 hours, he just hired a kid off the street, you know, just his, his <laughs> teenage neighbor to come in and he had it set up in less than an hour and he paid the kid a hundred bucks. And oh. it's like, you know, Gay Hendricks in this discussion that he told about um, in his book said, you know, think about how much it cost you 12 hours of your <laughs> time, the, how much you're billed, you um, know, um, you built people for that. And I mean, yeah, it's so many times we do that to ourselves and to our kids, you know, mm -hmm. yes, they need to develop, you know, the skills in, in writing, reading, communication, all of that, you know, and, and math, I'm not saying that at all, but if we can incorporate their zone of genius within all of that, oh my gosh, it makes education so much easier. It makes them so much more engaged. Yes. You know, and I love that you said engaged because it engagement comes on all sorts of different levels. It's not just intellectual, like, oh, I'm going to complete this task because I like it, but it affects their affect, their um, self-esteem, their self-worth, their interest in, and it goes beyond school. It goes into life. Yeah. You know? Um, and and I think that engagement is so critical. And um, I love what I love the work you're doing. That's just wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I know my so, so many of uh, so many parents out there are like, okay, you know, how do I find this zone of genius? How do I help these kids? Um, how do I find that talent, you know, um, so that I could center things around that you know those all sound like great ideas uh in your work is there any methods or techniques that you use to help find those for um at least help you go in the right direction with your students um yeah actually it's interesting because i literally feel like that is my genius i feel like i have this natural ability to recognize giftedness in kids um, no matter what I'm working with. Um, but I can say for parents and educators pay attention. That's one and listen because, uh, the artistic kids that I've found creative, uh, um, artistically gifted will be doodling on the side of their page. And I will doodle if I'm really bored, but I'm probably making geometric designs that are, you know, <laughs> kindergarten level. But these kids, when I look at their art, I see intricacies and uh, attention to detail. And I go, do you like to, to draw? And then they smile. Yes, I do. And so you pick up on things just by paying attention or that kid, um, you know, I used to have this thing when I worked with groups of kids that if I, if I had someone interrupt, I would say, oh, you know what, that's, how does that relate to this topic? 
And if they couldn't tell me, I'd say, that's great. I want to hear what you have to say, but we're going to wait till the end or we're going to set it aside. And I'm going to ask you about that later. Then you make sure to acknowledge that and ask them. And you will find that they will give you so much information about what they're interested in. So really so much of it is just listening and watching to see what they show you and not cutting them off. And definitely when, one of the hardest things is when I hear people say, it's just so weird or, you know, um, and it, and they are unique ideas. You know, again, our inventions are like, I, I remembered when <laughs> I saw my first, not my first, but my sister had an Apple phone um, and uh, an iPhone. And she's like, swipe the screen. I'm like, what is, what is, how do you swipe? What are you talking about? And she's like, touch it. And I'm like, touch it. And she's like, now move your finger. I'm like, what? And I just remember thinking like, whoa, it just, you know, blew my mind. So you think some of these kids have these inventions in their mind when they're little and they can't put it into words. But if you start seeing them build things, I've talked to so many adults who've said, I used to make this, I, this is what I created when I was four years old. My parents didn't know what to do. I wish they would have other others who are like, oh, I always got in trouble for doing this, but it's what I love to do. So just pay attention is the biggest thing that I can say. And then once you see it, so, okay. Um, one guy, when he was four years old, I love this. He told me how he, um, he increased created a a dog food dispenser and he so he's an adult now so that might have been like 20 30 years ago and he said that he was four years old and he used to watch his parents go back and forth from the kitchen to the garage twice a day and he thought that was a waste of time so he used cardboard and he actually invented um, a device that would pour out food twice a day Oh, that's <laughs> like, wow. So, you know, when your kids start to do this, look around and see what kind of classes are out there in your community. Um, I know robotics is really big. There are robotics summer camps. And one thing too, is I think it's important for parents to know, because I didn't know when I was younger and I wish, would have, wish I would have, there are so many scholarship opportunities and there are so many organizations. So say there's that robotics camp there um ask if they have scholarships because mm-hmm. a lot of times they won't advertise it but they'll have opportunities for your child to take this course or this this camp for free yeah yeah no i i love those different opportunities that are out there and even even the library be sure and check the library i mean just we don't go to the library as much as we should anymore I, me included um, I paid too many libra- library far- fines over the years, <laughs> but, but um, the library, I know when my kids were little, that's one of the ways I found one of my kids' geniuses. Um, I have um, uh, one of my sons, I went to the library and they had these musical things where it, uh, it was violins. They had uh, violinists that would come and tell stories and bring these little child-sized violins for the kids to pl- to try and he was four years old and he got into the line um, to try out this violin. They had four people with violins. He got into one line, got to the front of it, played the violin as long as they would let him. And then he had to give it up and he would get right into the next line so he could do it again. And yeah, 
I was like, oh my gosh, I need to find a violin teacher. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. And that seems like kind of a random opportunity, but that is exactly how we discover their geniuses. Yeah. And sometimes it's literally, I can't tell you in the past several years, how much I've noticed that I get inspirations and um, reading more about inspirations, the creativity classes that I had in my master's program um, talked a lot about inspiration. And sometimes, uh, there was one composer, world famous historic composer that I, I still can't find his name because the books are like this thick. Um, but he used to dream his symphonies and he was so afraid of being weird that he did not admit it until his deathbed. He said, I used to literally dream them and get up and write them. And so I think, you know, if we pay attention to, if our kids tell us dreams or crazy ideas or whatever, just let them talk and let them explore. And like you give them just, I, I feel like, let's try this. Let's go see what this is about. You never know what kind of expertise will come out of it. And what like that, you know, your son is adept at it's, it's awesome to just, and then that feeling that pride. I'm sure you were so proud of your son. Yeah. Oh, I still am well, all five of them, but yeah, that one was just, that one was just so like hit me in my face, like, oh my gosh. And it took me, it took me a full year to find a teacher that would actually take a five-year-old little boy. Wow. So, but, but you persisted, right? Yeah. I, I mean, did. that's part of it too, is not to just say, oh, I can't find anyone. I guess we're just going to not, not do it. And yeah. then re you know steer your child it's it's and that's the other thing that's that i i will admit too i have um i work with um one of my things that i do to help my students is i go out and look for unique universities and um i know a lot of universities that are they don't necessarily take like the standard test scores uh one is a philosophical university and they don't even take literature they don't even have you write an essay. They talk to you. It's a wonderful school. So there's all these different schools that will cater to different types of children and have amazing, you know, they'll come out with a wonderful education. Um, and I look for programs that will help younger kids. And uh, some of them will just, I had one say straight up, it wasn't one of the universities, but one that I was introduced to. They said, no, we won't take kids that young. And so I'm encouraging these programs to take younger kids who are adept like that, because yeah. if, if a child is really skilled at something, even though they're younger, they will succeed and they will get along with people. You won't have the four-year-old who's like, can't pay attention. You'll have a four-year-old who's just as focused as the 10-year-old or the 20-year-old because they are interested and they are capable so I think it's really important as, as you were going back to like, how do we change education is we don't look at age as much anymore. That's a really, really old standard. And if you look about, look at it, um, you know, athletically, I was probably at a six-year-old level all through school. <laughs> I could do cheer, but I couldn't, you know, throw a ball very well or catch it. But um but mathematically, I was really advanced. And had I had the opportunity, probably would have been, you know, I 
I, I tested out of calculus in high school, I probably would have gone into math, but that wasn't my calling. I really don't feel like it was now, but, um, you know, again, giving kids opportunities to do things at a younger age because they can and trusting them. And if it's again, doing what they want, like your son, that son was interested in violin. Um, I think it's real important to, from the parent side to not push them in something either that, okay, my kid's really smart. So they should be a doctor. My kid's really, um, you know, uh, I didn't get to be, uh, a gymnast. So I want to make sure that my kids are, are gymnasts, that kind of thing, I think is really important to just pay attention to what the kids want, not just what they're good at, but what they really want to do. Cause they're going to get a lot more out of it if they're not pushed. And, yeah. and that's one of the, um, other things that I think I would really, um, want to change with the educational system is, is the pressure to succeed because we all, you know, there's such, uh, you know, mental health is a hot topic and we're finding that a lot of kids are, have so much pressure to succeed and to do well with their grades. And, um, like I, it's just not critical that they do that. I mean, I, I have, um, I know a dentist who said he, he, <laughs> he actually got through college. He was about to fail out of college because he could not pass a writing class. And he had his teacher say, he's the professor said, I'm going to help you write one sentence. That's all I need from you. Write one sentence and I will pass you. I will give you a D so that you can pass. He said he took, he took, he told his minor was in, um, English, his major. Yeah. So he had it, he called it that because he said, I had to take it three times to pass, <laughs> but he, he made differences in dentistry. He did presentations yeah. and people flocked to hear him. So he couldn't write, but he could have somebody write for him. He could speak, yeah. he could perform. So again, and, and not everybody needs to go to school to be good. That's the other thing about education is not everybody needs to go to a university. We need people who can build things. We can need people who can design things. And that's not always part of university curriculum. Yeah. You know, I'm, I know, and you probably get this a, a lot as well that, uh, you know, since I am realizing genius, I, that's what my business name is. People are like, okay, well, you know, how do I know if my kid is a genius? And uh, so often they only limit it to what we traditionally think of as genius, you know, like if uh, Albert Einstein or, you know, a, a writer or something like that. And there are so many different areas of genius. It's not just one like the, um, was it Gardner's multiple intelligences? And uh, we need to be looking outside of the boxes that traditional education sometimes tries to put our kids in as you know gifted or genius and instead see a broader you know a, a broader range of ideas of what genius really is yeah it's I, I have go ahead oh I agree go ahead yeah I just was um thinking about my sons I have you know these five boys my youngest is much younger than the older four and 
when I got to my fifth one, I was like, okay, well, here's Harry Potter. Every, all of your brothers loved Harry Potter. And, and here's all of these other, you know, science fiction and all of these books. And he was like, he just did not want to read it. It was not his thing. And I had to look broader and it's like, whatever book you want to read, I'll buy. And, um, I listened to a lot of audiobooks and, um, you know, business books, um, psychology books, things like that, just because that's what I love and what I'm, I can find to help other people. And, you know, this poor kid is, you know, from so young, it's just me and him because there's a big age difference. And so he's listening to all of this and he finally decides, okay, yeah, I want this book, mom. And it's a self-help book. And, you know, all of these nonfiction books that he loves and he's getting so into him. He's like 16 now. And he is reading, oh, he got crime and punishment. Wow. And um, he's working on Gulag, the archipelago. I, I forget the exact term, but uh, I can't even pronounce the guy's name, the author's name, but it's one of those big hefty, you know, books that it's not nonfiction, but it's the deep stuff. And that's what he, he wants. And I, I'm so grateful. I, I was led to stop force feeding him Harry Potter, which, you know, my other four <laughs> boys and I love, but um, I, I had to find what he, he was interested in. I mean, that's, that's something that I learned a lot about myself as well, that I had to step back and, and give him room for that genius to shine for me. Oh, so. that's what a good parent. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I think, I think it is hard because, um, we, it's fun. I love when my daughter loves something that I do and she's actually very different. So there's a lot that we have done through her life. And it was like, that wasn't what I thought I would be doing. I'm like, okay, I can embrace this. I have to change. Um, and I think that's, that's good that you did that. And, and knowing that, um, I, I want to emphasize that point that you made about, you know, genius isn't just academic and even, um, you know, in schools, there's a federal definition for giftedness, which there has to be, or gifted would be anything, um, you know, and there's has to be standards and rules all the time, but still knowing again, um, whatever it is that your child's good at and whatever they're interested in. And then even in trying to look at it a different way and engage them a different way. When one student that I uh, was working with, his, um, his mom and him, and uh, his mom said, would you like to see the book that he picked up? And this boy was about seven and he liked to do everything alone. He did like working with me. So that was a real compliment, but he liked to work alone. He didn't like to do things socially. And his dad apparently was like that too. Um, that's what he told me. He said, I hated working with people. I still don't like to work with people. So that's okay too, is knowing like that is okay. But this little boy, I saw the book and his mom brought it over to me and it was this thick. Okay. So he's, I think I said seven, I think he was about seven. Now, not only was the book that thick, it wasn't like a cardboard book with thick pages, but the type was probably eight point and he was fascinated. Now, 
interestingly, he couldn't read it, but his mom read it to him and then they had discussions. So his comprehension was way above his age level and he couldn't read. But again, she was able to work with his genius at his level by reading to him and letting him engage in those conversations like your son that are much deeper than just, you know, cute cartoony books. Um, and so that was his style of learning. So ways that we can implement that, that's, the, that's actually a blessing of, of homeschooling is that you can implement these different ways of learning. Um, yeah. and, and one thing too, to know for parents who, again, is parents usually know when their kids are gifted. Um, you don't necessarily have to prove it just investigate it. If you do have to prove it because you're trying to get into a certain school or do something, then get an array of assessments, um, consult with different people. Uh, if it's like an artistic or a mechanical genius, take pictures and build a portfolio. If it's uh, say movie making, have your uh, a set of movies that the child has made or acted in. But um, don't feel like you have to have that to know that your child's gifted. Just let them grow and learn and then work to their style of learning. And that's not always the easiest to figure out either. But again, if you're paying attention, you might notice nuances and then try it out. Because the one thing is you could be wrong. I mean, I've done lots of things with kid, my kids and I go, that didn't work. So you have to tweak it and go, I didn't learn this way. So what's a different way? that I could do this. And again, it may not be like you, like I would, if somebody said, tell me about this, I would have said, can I just write about it? You know, or maybe somebody's the opposite of that, but allowing them um, to look at things differently. And it just escaped me what the point I was making, but, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, trying to develop things around their learning styles. Yeah. One of the things I think is really important too, is that if you're having a challenge, find someone to help. I mean, like you, they could reach out to you and would you be able to give them like tests and evaluate their child and, and talk to their child and help a parent see their kid's genius? Absolutely. Yeah. That's really yeah. is my specialty. Like I said, I feel like I've been gifted with the ability to recognize talent. Mm -hmm. um, and I have all sorts of assessments that I can give. I cannot at this point cannot individually administer IQ tests. And um, having worked with some tests, I think that's not always the best choice anyway, but I have a lot of assessments that I can do. And I have uh, in working one-on-one -on -one and in small groups with kids, I can see a lot really quickly. So I have a lot of ways of evaluating and looking at, you know, what is their genius and how do we get there to, to yeah. develop that talent? Yeah, sometimes as parents, we're just a little bit too close and having a coach, an outside person, uh, a mentor come in and just say, hey, have you thought about this? Just think, you know, just having that just really can help. So I don't know, I, I would like to put that out there that that is something that is very helpful. I know um, I've had many mentors in my life and in my kids' lives that have pointed out different things about my kids that I wasn't able to see. And I, I really think that part of the reason I was able to step back from my fifth kid 
It's my fifth kid. I should have had it wow. down, but um, my fifth son, I should have had it really down. Um, but uh, I still, it, that because I had so much help that kind of helped me kind of be able to step back without uh, being fearful. It's like, oh no, this kid's never going to be able to read everything he needs to read. Um, you know, and I was able to embrace that and be open to it. So, but anyway, Holly, we, I have, <laughs> I have had so much fun talking to you today. We're definitely going to have to do this again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your genius. Thank you. I appreciate you. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Realizing Genius podcast. Head over to realizinggenius.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes and links and to share your ideas of anyone you would like to have me interview. Have a wonderful week realizing your genius.